Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, yes, great to have your company on the Shelter Sportscast coming to you from the Back Chat Studios, of course, the Southern River Band, one of the great uh, local bands, and Scoey's a huge fan out of Thornley. They play some great tunes, and of course, uh, this is a sportscast over summer, Monday and Thursday or Friday, depending on uh, how we're feeling, whether we can be bothered uh, rocking up on the Thursday. <laughs> a West Australian theme, of course, and socials at Shelter Footycast, Footycast at shelterbrewing.com.au, Shelter Brewing, our beer, of course, the boys and girls at Bustleton do a brilliant job, born and brewed here in the West. Uh, great to have your company, Mark Reddings, and Brad Hogg, off the back of a, an English, it does pain me to say this, Hoggy, but congratulations, England, uh, the kings of white ball cricket. Look, uh, they fully deserved it. They came over here, they whipped Australia in the three T20s before the tournament started. So for me, I, I think they uh, d- d- deserve the win. They've played exceptional cricket. They're the most attacking side on the batting front in T20 cricket. They play that aggressive uh, nature uh, style and they take plenty of risks. So at the end of the day, you get reward for risks. What do you make of the tournament as a whole with uh, England having got that opening combination of Joss Butler, Alex Hales to start firing primarily uh, when it mattered at the business end of the season of the of the tournament? Their bowlers, I thought their bowling was absolutely um, on song with their roles and what they had to do. It just seemed like every player in that team knew exactly their, their role, as opposed to the Australians, which seemed a bit disjointed. Well, you brought up a good point there, Mark. Um, every player in that squad knew that they had a role to play and they knew that if an injury was going to happen, they'd come in and fill out, uh, fill that void. So they lost Mark Wood in the final series. Mark Wood was the bee's knees, especially against India with the short boundaries. He was going to attack uh, Virat Kohli and Surya Kumar Yadav with sheer pace out the stumps, but also going with a shorter ball. Players trying to take on that pace with a short boundary, well, you're you're really taking a huge risk. And then you go to the MCG, same thing's happening. Top edges could go for six, but it's still very hard to take that pace on uh, playing the pull shot. So they they missed 
Mark Wood. Also, that stability in the middle order, if they lost early wickets in the power play of Milan coming in at number three, uh, that was a huge hole to fill as well. But they were lucky in both finals that the opening batsmen were able to stand up and, and deliver. Hale's not so much in the grand final because he got out for a duck, beautiful delivery there. But Butler, with that quick fire 20-odd um, that he got off a uh, strike rate of 150, set the innings up and made it easy for the middle order. Um, Stokes just coming in, pushing pushing the ball around ones and twos when the spin came on. Uh, so they, they were able to sum up the conditions, but they were able to play their roles. But the big one for me was Sam Curran. They didn't have a death bowler coming into this particular tournament. Uh, they'd been chopping and changing. They'd been using Jordan. They'd been using Mills over the last year or two. But that was one hole that they hadn't found. Sam Curran, they gave it to him. They told him to go and work on it in the 100 back in uh, England. He did. He delivered. And he delivered here as well. And he de- he's probably one of the ones that was deserved uh, man of the series. The only other man of the series that I'd put up there would be Surikumar Yadav from India. Yes, Virat Kohli got most runs on the board, but um, he took so much time in that first 10 overs uh, to get his runs on the board. He was putting pressure on the likes of Pandya and Surikumar in the back end. Surikumar in the final 10 overs of the innings through this tournament uh, scored nearly 200 runs in that period at an average of over 70, at a strike rate of 205. So to do that under extreme pressure just shows the skill skill and quality of that particular player as well. So um, for me, Curran and Surikumar Yadav were the stands out in the tournament. Absolutely. Uh, We're talking about our big moments of the weekend, primarily from the World Cup. The T20 final, 84,000 there. Now, we thought it was going to rain. We thought there were going to be thunderstorms. There was nothing. We got through unscathed, which was terrific uh, from a spectator point of view. Uh, I want to just touch on briefly before we go on to a, a bit of a mishap for an Australian cricketer. Ben Stokes. Now, at the 2016 T20 World Cup final against the West Indies, he was bowling the final over. Carlos Braithwaite uh, took him downtown with, I think, four sixes. They lose the final England to the West Indies. So, he's had to live with that for six years, but his ability in big matches, be it test match situations like at Headingley, uh, whether it's at uh, the World Cup at Lords, MCG, uh, 52 off uh, about 48 rocks, this guy can do it all. He's a big moment player. He's the guy that you want to have the bat or ball in his hand. Yeah, look, it, um He's, he's always put in those situations. The, the one-day final uh, a couple of years ago back in England when he got them over the line against New Zealand. Uh, yes, he was right there to the end, but there's a little bit of luck there as well. Yesterday, he had a lot of luck as well. He didn't have to face Shaheen Afridi for two overs out full pelt because he'd done his knee. All of a sudden, there's a part-time bowler that comes on and he's able to get two boundaries and relieve that pressure. So there's a little bit of luck involved in it as well. But you can't deny he is a big, uh, big-time player. He puts himself in those situations where uh, he gives him, himself a chance to win the game for his team, whether it's with bat and ball. And the more times you put yourself in those big moments, the more times uh, you, you've got that opportunity of coming off. So full credit to him to, for putting himself in there. But just uh, in that particular final last night, don't forget about the luck that England had just in that final period where they had to go for a part-time spinner they could have gone with Nawaz as well, who's still a part-time spinner, uh, which relieved a lot of pressure for England. Because if Shaheen Afridi was out full pelt, that pressure was building, building, building. And uh, another wicket, the wicket of Stokes, they could have collapsed, even though they've got good batting depth. 
Absolutely. Uh, and before we get into some more local sport and, of course, a full review on what happened at the MCG last night, Glenn Maxwell, uh, our most uh, prominent white ball player. Now, I've heard a lot of cricket stories where blokes say they've, you know, they slipped on a banana peel at a party. You know, seriously, there's some stories that are made up over the journey. Footballers and Scoey's one of those that, you know, there's always <laughs> a little bit of mayonnaise or certainly hiding the absolute truth. He broke his leg at a birthday party. I think it was a 50th birthday party. Uh, and, of course, he's out of the one-day series. He might miss a chunk of the summer. That is uh, – that's not great. No, it's not great. It's also, uh, he could have been part of the Big Bash as well. We need those big players playing in the Big Bash just for that entertainment factor. But then you've got a series going over to India as well. Uh, I think that's a test series next year. He might not even be right for that. So if he's not right for that, that's big trouble for Australia because – you need someone like that who can uh, <clears throat> play play spin decently, um, but he can also. I, th- I think you need someone like that uh, in the middle order over in India uh, on those wickets as well that can play the reverse and uh, the, the reverse sweep and the conventional sweep because you need to put the spinners off the line. It's not just him that's doing the damage; he's also doing the damage to uh, put the bowler off his length so that the batsman at the other end has a has a better chance on those turning wickets as well so he's much needed in that that uh, scenario but look we don't know the full story behind it I've, I've, I've heard that it was a we three-legged race um, <laughs> we may never know the full story hoggy uh, but anyway Glenn Maxwell yeah. the big show is a no show for a chunk of the summer. This is, of course, the Shelter Sports Cast. The big moments of the round. Brad Hogg, Mark Reddings. Right, let's jump into a West Coast wrap of sorts here, Hoggy. Still staying with the theme of cricket. Um, we can start with the WBBL, where our women have just... We're in fourth position. We have beaten yesterday. Alyssa Healy, outstanding at the death, getting uh, her team over the line. Sydney able to uh, knock us over by six wickets. The Sydney Sixers, we're fourth on the ladder, as I say. Um, got a very good team on paper, but we're just not clicking at the moment in the women's side of it. Yeah, but... Yeah, you don't have to be clicking at the right part of the season. You've got to be clicking at the back end of the season, a bit like England. Uh, they, they struggled through the T20 World Cup, but out the back end when it really counted, that's uh, that's when you've got to be at your peak. So for me, I, I've just been impressed with the way that the girls have had their attitude out in the middle. Uh, and it's just not about batting and bowling, the energy that they have in the field. Uh, that tells me whether a team's in sync or not. They have plenty of energy in the field. They don't give up. They've got plenty of fights. So for me, um, there's so many good signs down there. Don't don't write them off. Don't worry about it yet. As long as they get to the finals and as long as they're peaking at that back end, they'll do the damage there and they'll upset a lot of teams in that back end. Absolutely. I mean, Beth Mooney, outstanding. We know they've got Sophie Devine. They have the quality there. So it's just a question of, as you say, oh, you very well summed up. You just have to make the finals. And then, of course, uh, hopefully the class will come to the top. Speaking of class, at the Wacker Ground, Western Australia, uh, where the defending champions, it's a bizarre Sheffield Shield match in many ways because uh, I think 16 wickets fell on one day. And then uh, we've seen this wonderful partnership between uh, Sam Whiteman and Cam Bancroft, I think 308, uh, which brings back memories of a couple of names that you'll 
very much well recall in my letter and Jeff Marsh going back to the season of, I think, 89-90 against South Australia when they put on more than 400. Uh, it's been a really good time of it for WA at the Wacker. Yeah, look, it's been a fantastic time. And you mentioned the girls, uh, but it, it's just uh, everything that's happening down at the Wacker on the field um, with with the staff down there. They're doing such a wonderful job uh, and, and they're delivering and we're getting the results. And that's just because it's good planning. Uh, we're, we're putting people first uh, down there. Uh, Adam Voges is doing a fantastic job. Uh, Kate Harvey's doing a fantastic job. It's all about people first. And if you if you worry about the uh, particular person, what you can do for them, and uh, that, that the player also thinking about how he can help his team out, uh, it's just such a good vibe down there, such a good culture. And you saw uh, South Africa, I mean, South Australia uh, were 161 uh, for one wicket in that first innings. And all of a sudden, they just got a couple of breakthroughs, turned the game around and then put 440 on the board and South Australia are blown out of the uh, out of the water. They did it against Queensland. They they came back against Queensland. There's plenty of fight. There's plenty of belief down there. And again, there's players there that know their roles. Uh, Richardson's not playing. We've got uh, Gannon coming in for Richardson now. There's plenty of depth in our bowling. There's plenty of depth in our all-round department. So uh, for me, uh, the, the Wacker have done a fantastic job over the last 10 years and we're getting full reward for it now with performances on the field. Yeah, you talk about culture, and even going back to when you were playing, you think of the captaincy. Tom Moody was in charge for, for so long. Wayne Clark, uh, they had a great relationship as coach and, and player. How important is it? We, we talk a lot with Scully about it with footy clubs, but also in a cricket sense, having that culture, um, obviously times to go hard uh, in terms of you know having a good time as a group, but also know when you have to knuckle down and, and get the job done, get the work done. And, and the current group looks as if they're doing it. And going back to your time, you, you certainly had a bit of fun off the park, but you, you knew when you had to get down and, and get the results. Yeah, look, um, it, it's all about uh, get, getting that right vibe within your group. And it's not just about the coaching staff. Uh, it's about the playing group as well. Uh, yes, you've got your individual roles down there. You've got your individual goals that you've, uh, you have you want to achieve as well. But the best teams down at WA, the best teams that we've had for Australia is when everyone as a collective group goes, what can I do to better this team rather than what can I do just to better myself? And when, when you've got that mindset, everything flows, your own performances uh, thrive as well. And that's the culture that we've been trying to build for uh, many years down out the, out, at WA. Uh, I think Tom Moody, uh, Justin Langer, when he was captain, it was building there. Then we just had a little bit of a fade there uh, for a small moment. And then when the Scorchers came in, in uh, into vague, uh, and Adam Voges took over, as well as Simon Kadich around that particular period. I think Voges was a ca- captain of the state team and Caddo was the captain of the Scorchers team. All of a sudden, uh, the young players that came in there just took the, the WA culture to a new level. I think it's a lot better than what we had um, through the Moody era, through the Langer era. Um, but that, that's what you want to do. Uh, that's, that's what you want to achieve. You want to leave the game in a better state than when it started with. And I think there's just been that slow development over time. Everyone's played their part. And uh, we're just getting good rewards for these kids coming through now because we're, 
we um, we're trying to better them as pe- people. Uh, and Jay all brought that in uh, into his coaching role. Um, he wants to make better men of these players, and the same with the girls. We want to make better ladies of them. And once you're trying to improve, uh, help improve the person. The performances out in the middle um, improve as well, and I think that's where the Australian cricket side has uh, has lost their way a bit. It's all about what can I get out of the game rather than what can I put back into the game at the moment. Brad Hogg with his thoughts on uh, the culture, WA cricket, Australian cricket. You're listening to the Sportcast Shelter Cast, Sportcast Shelter Footy Cast. <laughs> Everything in there as well. Uh, as we roll through this Monday morning review of sport. Uh, let's go. Let's break down this final. Yep. Of MCG last night, and one thirty-seven never going to be enough, was it? Uh, what? No, I, th- I thought one thirty-seven on that particular wicket was a good enough score. It was just how uh, Pakistan were going to go in the power play. I felt if they could keep England around about fifty or less than fifty out of the power play, didn't matter how many wickets they got. Um, spin might be able to take effect in those middle overs. You just had to give spin a chance. And they did that with three wickets uh, three wickets up their sleeve as well. But the only problem with Pakistan where I thought they lost the game was bowling to Butler. Now, Butler scored out a strike rate of 150. I think he got 26 runs uh, out that strike rate of 150. But they tried to attack him with full delivery, swinging it, trying to get him bowled LBW. When they bowled on a good length, they troubled him. And if you look at the stats, if you look at your preparation before you go in against England, you bowl test match length to Butler with the new ball. He only averages about 15 there and he's got a strike rate of around 100. And if they bowled more deliveries in that area, they might have got him out cheaply and that would have put a lot more pressure on that middle order. Uh, as it was, that little quick fire um, tally of Butler was able to relieve a little bit of pressure in that middle order so the uh, middle order didn't have to attack the spin as much um, to try and keep the run rate up. So that's where the game was won and lost for me. Yeah, I suppose the numbers also for Pakistan at the crease, their batters didn't really ever get on top. And you mentioned how tricky the pitch was, but Azam, 32 off 28, Rizwan, 15 off 14, uh, Masood, 38 from 28, uh, deliveries and, and Khan with 20 off 14. So they, they never really got to a, a position where they you felt as if they were dominating. But I suppose, as you say, the vagaries of that deck might have demanded they play with a bit more caution? Yeah. Well, the, you, you look at it as well. Uh, Sam Curran uh, picked up the big wicket of Rizwan just as they were coming out of the power play. That was a huge wicket. The other one was uh, Sam Curran getting Mazood out at the back end as well, just when they were coming into that final phase with the final four overs. Um, Mazood could have taken the game away. So you've, you've got to give credit to, to Sam Curran in those two big wickets there. But the other thing with Pakistan, you're right there, they, they didn't get their um, batting flowing. The likes of Iftikhar and Harris didn't come off. They are the batsmen that uh, are more aggressive. They go after the bowling, have higher strike rates. And just because those two batsmen didn't come off as well, they weren't able to put those extra 10, 15 runs on the board that would have been probably a more competitive total on that wicket. Hey, Hoggy, uh, I know this is something you're interested to talk about mm. uh, with the injury uh, to Freddie Substitutes, um, the ability to replace an injured player, where do you think this rule should be heading? Look, um, for, for me, when they brought in the concussion rule, a batsman gets hit in the head, he gets the, the wobbles, all of a sudden you can replace the player for the concussion rule. That player has made 
a misjudgment. So he trains, uh, he prepares for everything that's going to come, in, uh, come at him. But he's misjudged the ball. He gets hit in the head. You can replace him because we're worried about um, head injuries, which is right, correct. But when you're looking at how much cricket we're playing right now and you're looking at fast bowlers, fast bowlers are like gold dust in our game. We need bowlers bowling 140-plus, being able to swing the new ball like Shaheen Afridi. Um and when they have an injury like Shaheen Afridi did last night in a big game like a final, or even in a test match, it's in the first innings of a test match, all of a sudden the other bowlers have to step up and bowl, uh, take over his workload. They have to bowl extra overs. So their bodies are going into the red a lot earlier as well. So there's higher chance of injury. But Afridi coming back, trying to bowl his two overs out the back end, all of a sudden puts that knee on extra strain. He could be out for three weeks with a surgery. But because he's bowled that extra ball, it could be another two weeks, could be another three months. Um, if he bowled the two overs, he could have done a lot more damage. All of a sudden, you're putting his career at jeopardy, whether uh, it's coming back uh, in a shorter period of time or a longer period of time. You're still putting his career on the line for a big moment like that because you aren't able to bring another player in of the same skill, the same role, what he does um, to do the job. And you've got to remember you might sit there and go, right, well, that's a little bit unfair because you get a fresh bowler that's been sitting on the sideline. But that fresh bowler hasn't been able to warm up either. He, all of a sudden, he's got to come out and bowl from uh, ball one uh, and not uh, he hasn't been in the, in the game and he hasn't got that energy uh, in the game as well. So there's a lot that that particular player has to pick up to be able to execute from ball one as well. So there's not a huge advantage having a fresh bowler coming on uh, at that stage because he's not mentally as switched on as, as the player out in the middle. So for me, um, it's only just because of the amount of cricket that we're playing now, I think we should be able to have a replacement player for any injury out in the middle. And if that player is replaced, he's not allowed to play again for another couple of weeks afterwards. So if he's concussed, I think he can't play the next test match um, straight away or can't play within a week. So that's the same with any other injury so that people or teams aren't um, taking the mickey out of it as such. What do you agree with that, no, I agree. I think it's worth looking at, particularly in short-form cricket, and even as we saw quite famously at Lords, where Steve Smith was concussed, uh, Manus Labuschagne comes in, and that really was the catalyst for his career kicking off, whether he would have got a test match under the circumstances if, if Smith wasn't taken from the field and a substitute wasn't allowed, then perhaps we'd be looking at uh, a different sliding door moment. But yeah, fair call. Substitutes should be perhaps uh, allowed outside of concussion as well. You're listening to the Shelter Sportcast and some big news, breaking news coming up next. Oh, Scoey. <clears throat> Yeah, so we've decided to uh, turn this into uh, the three-man show because uh, with Brad Hogg, Mark Reddings and, and Scoey's just jumped uh, onto the couch with 
Some pretty important news. Uh, four people believe have been arrested over a Brownlow metal betting scandal. What are you laughing for, Hoggy? Hoggy's oh, just laughing at me, just jumping into shot. I feel like Tom Brown coming in with hot breaking news. Breaking news. AFL umpire reportedly is under scrutiny as well. Look, I'm only looking at a headline here from Dan. What have you got yeah, for us, Yeah, so I've had the finger on the pole skate, and I wanted to see what you thought about this, Hoggy. So you're right, four people have been arrested in relation to uh, some betting in the 2022 Brownlow medal. Now, it's not the overall result. It's to do with spot betting, which is game by game, who's going to get votes in what game. And it's being alleged um, and spoken about that uh, potentially the results of one of the games or some of the games during the year were leaked to a bunch of people who then put bets on it. Um, a spot bet, not an overall bet on the Brownlow. So, it's not um, thought that it's impacted the overall result of the Brownlow. It's not putting mm. Patrick Cripps's um, Brownlow medal win in question or anything like that. It's the leaking of information. Well, I mean, let's be honest, the umpire that's under scrutiny, and that, that's where you'd think this is all emanated from, if that's the case, if, if other parties have been able to access that that information. Uh, it, it was. Um, we, we, we spoke to Demar Getz on Backchat um, during the year about different things like this, and I believe my co-host Dan Contz put it to Dean about, you know, would you be able to tell who won the Brownlow or, you know, who knows the votes? And Dean was pretty honest about it and said that as an umpire, you don't you don't know any results of any other games. I think it would be really hard for any umpire to know who's going to win the Brownlow. But in, in this instance, um, if it's a leakage of who got three votes, for instance, and it was a bit of a bit of a rogue one, which is potentially how that you get caught in something like that, I'd think. Because if it was Paddy Cripps getting three votes and he had 40 and kicked three... Well, it's, you don't need Hello. the umpire to tell you the results, do you? But if, if it's Will Schofield playing full back, has three touches and somehow gets a couple of votes, Hoggy. Um, I would have made a lot of money uh, on that. <laughs> what do you think about this, Hoggy? It's a breaking news fresh off the press. Yeah, look, um, I've been involved in the IPL where the team that I was playing for, Rajasthan Royals, um, they had five players that went to jail for spot fixing. Um, and it's it's wow. very easy. Very easy. So I'm, I'm looking at a football game. So you can even – so how they did it, if uh, you, you could signal as you're walking back to the top of your mark, uh, give the signal to someone in the crowd and they'll give off a phone message and apparently billions of dollars were just done and dusted within that uh, couple of seconds with that ball. Well, they bet you on – well, were they betting on what? No balls or wide? Or wide, or? no ball. Um, so if you, go, yeah, I'll, be, I'll better be careful with uh, with that one with with Pakistan. I'll stay away from that one. But you go, you you look at football. So if they can do that in cricket, I was just thinking, right, full forward takes a mark, uh, and then all of a sudden he's got thirty seconds to turn and and kick a goal. So if he's on a bit of an angle. He sort of can pull up a sock or uh, put his mouth guard in uh, his shorts. But you know how you put it in your shorts? All of a sudden, he puts it in the left side of his shorts, and that could be a signal going, right, put the money on, kick out on the full here or a, or a behind. I'd make you, I didn't know you could bet that way in, in footy. I'm not, I'm I, don't sure know whether, I don't know whether you can. I don't know whether you can, but um, I'm, I'm th- this came to my mind about five years ago. I don't think you'd be able to do it now, but – these are the things which which are very scary with gambling, and we talk about other things that we should be doing uh, as role models with sport. I can't believe how much gambling is actually on advertising uh, on, on within our sport, and then we're trying to jump on the ship for someone doing something wrong like this. Um, it's either wrong or right. You can't. You, you, for me, I don't think it should be involved in our sport. 
We always used to, as players, um, so so it's been um, investigated by the AFL and Sports Integrity Australia, and, and now, of course, the police has got involved. So Sports Integrity Australia, we used to have presentations f- from them um, around, you know, the game and the integrity of the game, effectively. And, and uh, not, not that we used to make light of it, but we always used to laugh as players at the end of the meetings because, honestly, as players who would never think of doing that. And um, you know, clearly there's been examples around the world of players cheating, but I, I certainly never knew or never played with or never, you know, anyone that would do anything like that. We always used to have a bit of a laugh. It's like, what are you going to do as a backman? Like, how, how, are you gonna, how would you fix the game anyway? It's not even possible. But it's interesting in a circumstance like this where uh, maybe results have already happened and, and then it's, a, it's an after the fact. Uh, sort of like Hoggy saying, I do think it's – I don't even know if that live stuff's available at AFL, but that was certainly always the the message from Integrity Australia, um, Sports Integrity Australia was be careful who you're speaking with. There, there are people that do want to benefit from, you know, sport and, and, and the ability to fix results in sport. And they are aware of things like this happening. So, um, you know, it's probably just adding to a very long list of things at the AFL that uh, are right up in the air – Again, with Gillan McLaughlin still at the head of the of the company, and they've got another thing to to now deal with. Yeah, you're right. I think Hoggy makes a very good point about the the, the betting element in sport. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I love having a bet on sport. You, yep. you I think you might have even been betting uh, on the matches for Brownlow Medal wise in terms yep. of. So you, we all like to have a flutter, most of us do. So, mm. but uh, it's a good point Hoggy makes with regards to what uh, what is in society now, what the, the demands are for sponsorship. Uh, agreements, this is one that probably needs uh, closer examination, Hoggy. Yeah, exactly right. And, you, you know, you're telling the players not to go and have a bet on the game, but then, uh, you know, it's 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 all over the stands, you know, bet three, whatever, it, it's up there on your advertising side of things. But you were talking about the integrity uh, chat before the season starts from the Australian Integrity Unit. Um, we we uh, used to get that while I was playing as well, and they st- the boys still get it. And I remember playing in one of the T20 World Cups uh, that I played in, and we had the integrity unit having our team in there, and uh, the hotel was a massive hotel, and we had some bookmakers uh, that were sitting around the lobby, and we asked, can we have some photos of the people that you're tracking, and um, so that you know when we're out there, if they come up and chat to us, we've got an idea because there's so many people going, oh, how you going, Hoggy? You know, blah blah. How you going, Huss? How? You know, and you 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 don't want to be rude and say, look, can't talk to you or anything like that. You just wanted a heads up of who we've got to be careful of and who not. It was just like they had a trap for us that they were trying to catch us in the web uh, as such. Um, so for me, it, it was a bit of a funny one in, in that regard that you're allowing bookmakers to be in the hotel of all the players of the tournament at that particular stage, but you weren't prepared to give the information. You weren't. Uh, you didn't have someone sitting down there and go, oh, just be careful of that person over there, you know, because uh, he's a bookmaker type scenario because a lot of us are gullible. A lot of us would just sit there and like to have a chat and someone's interested in your sport, well, you know, you're prepared to have a chat with him. 
Yeah, yeah, there you think- go, Skater. That's my Tom Brown's uh, breaking news for the day, mate. Did well. Thanks for coming off the bench. Uh, Scoey, just repeating, four people arrested over Brownlow metal betting scandal and AFL umpires under scrutiny. So uh, that story, I'm sure, will develop through the course of the week. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, not great for, for Gillian McLaughlin, the AFL, just uh, navigating their way after just announcing the magic round last week. They've got the fixtures coming out in a couple of weeks, but this is the one that uh, will capture attention, I'm sure, uh, over the Brownlow metal betting over the past uh, what, three or four months, certainly in a couple of spot games. Um, let's push on with this last part of the segment here, Hoggy, and uh, the AFLW finals, North Melbourne defeating Richmond by 36 points, Adelaide over Collingwood by 12. So it's North Melbourne and Adelaide moving into the preliminary final. So this week, the prelims, Brisbane v Adelaide, 4.40 Friday, Metricon Stadium. Melbourne v North Melbourne uh, at 12.10 Saturday at Icon Park. And by the way, if Brisbane do reach the grand final, that match may well be played at Kazali Stadium up in Cairns. So there's a bit to go on on that one. Now, just quickly, before we do wrap this up, Hug Hoggy, I have had a whisper, a rumour. A rumour. Which uh, you may or may not be able to confirm this, but the World Cup victory by England, your friend, Michael Hussey, I've been told possibly has committed to putting a tattoo, getting a tattoo, English-related, on his body if... <laughs> England won. We know they got up by five wickets. Is there any chance that the Huster, Mr. Cricket, Mr. Cleanskin, will go down the path of getting some ink on his uh, beautiful body? Um, Skeet, <laughs> you're taking you're taking uh, privileges here. Um, I'm just asking the question. Well, if he if he said that he was going to have a tattoo if they win, he's got to put that tattoo and live with it for the rest of his life. I'm sorry, Huss. <laughs> Sometimes you open your mouth just once too much. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. We've done it a bit too much today, Hoggy. Hey, listen, great to have you on board, of course. Uh, Don't forget, uh, Friday the 2nd of December, uh, fantastic to get the boys uh, from the Southern River Band. They're going to be performing alongside DJ Genga, I think, who's going to be naked on the night. I still haven't quite got my head around that one. Tickets available on the events page of the Shelter Brewing Co. website, uh, shelterbrewing.com.au. By the way, I was at uh, Equestrian in the park at the weekend. I had two or three people, I swear, come up to me and say, mate, I love your work. On the Shelter Footy Cast. Not about my work on Channel 7, about radio on 6PR. It's sitting with that buffhead Scoey talking sport with you and him. It's uh, it's making its mark in sport, Hoggy, and uh, glad for you to be part of it as, as part of our World Cup recap. Well, as I always say, mate, I think the three of us have got a face for radio, and I think Scoey next time when he comes on with breaking news, bring a sheet of paper rather than his mobile phone. <laughs> Tell you what, he's breaking news from Scoey, the Tom Brown of this uh, this Shelter Sportscast. Thanks for your company. Uh, Monday done and dusted. England are World Cup T20 champions. But by the way, they got beaten by Samoa in the Rugby League semi-final. So uh, they've lost uh, they've lost the unlosable game. And now the Aussies will take on New Zealand. Uh, in fact, Aussies will take on Samoa in the Rugby League World Cup final. Uh, thanks for your company, Hoggy. Thanks uh, for listening and watching, everyone. Friday will return with the World Cup of soccer not far away. Yes. Thanks, Keith. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.